Hello and welcome to Deep Impact, a dive into Wildbo's most unloved work, five years on. That over there is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. And we're, it's a new show, Elliot. Oh, new yeah. show, new intro. It felt weird reading it out. Um, <laughs> yeah, it sounded wrong. Um, I guess we'll have to get used to that. So uh, the first thing to do is introduce who we are. We already kind of did that, um, but we run a, uh, a small <laughs> media discussion fortnightly recommendation podcast called Media MD, um, which if you're listening to this, you probably also know about the other show because they're on the same website. Yes. Uh, and, and so obviously a big part of that p- podcast was about two years ago now, uh, Ruben brought me, uh, the web serial worm, which if you're listening to this, you've probably heard of. And, uh, you know, that sort of got me really into some of Wildbo's works and, uh, you know, but not Ruben's into been... them enough to actually read any of them except for, worm. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, but he's been, he's been on me to read Pact and, mm. Uh, you know, so I guess I'm going to do that now, but we're going to, we're going to go through it real slow and, and take a real deep look at it, I guess. Yeah. So for those of you who've never heard of Wabo or Worm or any of that stuff, um, Wabo is an author who writes web serials, uh, stories, novels that unfold one chapter at a time, you know, two or three chapters a week on average. Um, so the, the first and biggest of these was Worm from, you know, 2011 to 2013 or so. And then Pact was second. Uh, and Pact is a story that I feel very close to. Um, in the intro, we, we say it's Wildbo's most unloved work, which I think is true. Even by Wildbo himself has said, this is the one that he likes the least. But for me, this is one of the ones that it, it really hit me uh, quite strongly. Uh, and, and I still feel, you know, I feel quite a lot of love for this story. And so I want to do my bit to get it out into the universe a bit more. Um, so yeah, so so we're going to be keeping this podcast in sync with uh, the five year anniversary of each chapter being published. Yep. Uh, so this chapter is coming out today on the seventeenth, which is yep. the five year anniversary of the initial two chapters. Yes. So um, actually, uh, two chapters were released on the the first day. Uh, Bonds one point one and one point two, and we will shall be talking about both of them in this episode, and then we'll be kind of following the uh, anniversary. So, one point Bonds one point three came out on December twenty fourth, the day before Christmas. So, look forward to some to some festive podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah, and so I mean, I'm I'm pretty excited. Uh, like paranormal fiction, is, I, I'm usually a big fan of. Like uh, you know, things like American Gods, yep. Buffy, X Files. Yep. Uh, that show Supernatural that got cancelled after five seasons. Ooh, um, okay, that's how we're going to treat that. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so you know, I'm, I've, I've sort of, I have been wanting to get into this, into this story for ages, but I haven't really yeah. found the time. And now, I guess we're making now, it. Yeah, we're forcing. Yeah, got to make time. Um, so the format of this show is just going to be we follow along with with Pact uh, for about fifteen minutes per per chapter. We read through it uh kind of summarize the plot of it and talk about what we what we thought about it um doing some other things as they come up such as diving into the lore behind some of the monsters obviously we've talked about this being a supernatural story um and so there'll be spooky you know spooky creatures to be talked about and uh, i think it'll be fun diving into the lore of where they came from um it's probably worth pointing out you know you haven't read pact elliot no uh, i have and so that's kind of our, our unique dynamic that we're going to bring to this <laughs> yeah. format. Um. Yeah, this uh, this re- revolutionary format that we're bringing yeah. to the Wildbow fandom. Uh, yeah, no, no one's ever yeah. done it before. One person who knows it, <laughs> and one person who's new to it, and they discuss it. <laughs> it's Come crazy. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, so in saying that, um, I, I did just want to sort of briefly bring up that I'm going to try and limit comparisons to Worm uh, as we go through this, um, mm-hmm. because I don't, I don't just want to turn this into the uh, alongside Worm uh, is packed podcast. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but I think there might be some things that come up just because it, it is what he wrote, uh, what Wabo wrote directly after Worm. Yeah. Um, but I definitely, I'm not going to touch on Twig or Ward uh, at all. So, like, yep. hopefully some maybe light spoilers for Worm here, but, uh, you know, apart from that, nothing else. Yeah. Um, at the very least, there are points at which these works do reference each other, and so I'm sure we'll we'll touch on those as they come up. But, um, yeah. Uh, so let's, shall we dive into it? I mean, is that yeah. all the housekeeping that we need to do? Uh, I think so. I think we've covered everything. I think we can... Yeah. Get into it. Oh, well, one more thing, I guess, is we, we want this show to be a, a bit of a kind of community reread format, right? Um, yes. And so part of yeah, that we to want... to celebrate the five-year anniversary uh, yeah. of the story and everything. Uh, a long, a two-year-long celebration of the five-year anniversary. <laughs> um, as, so kind of as we're going through it, uh, towards the end, we'll talk about uh, how you can engage with the show and stuff like that. Um, but for now, yeah. let's let's dive into Pact... Bonds, 1.1. Ooh. So uh, I guess we're new to this, but let's just start by by <laughs> just going through what happens. So um, yeah. Yeah, the, the story begins with a young man, Blake, riding his motorcycle up to an old house in a small town, basically. Yeah, and the story opens with that. The first line is, you know, damn me, damn them, damn it all, which is just immediately <laughs> setting a very positive tone uh, yeah. in the story. Um, yeah. No, uh, but for real, like, it's just immediately, it's just, like, anger and hostility just immediately sort of hits you in, in this, at the start of this chapter and pretty much carries through the whole yeah, thing. I, like, Blake is not happy to be seeing his family again. Yeah, he, he's very uneasy, I would say. Uh, and obviously, we'll talk about why that is over the chapter, but it, it does this great work of uh, setting up, well, why... <laughs> What what's so bad about this house? Um, actually, what's so bad about this house is a pretty good tagline for in the entirety of Pact, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I, I do love this bit though. Like Blake sort of describes, you know, the house in his in his internal monologue, and, and there's one line where he says, you know, it's not really a dark or an ominous house, mm. but to me that was completely at odds with everything else he's talking about. Like it's. It's up on a hill. It's this old, like, Victorian-era mansion. Yeah, isolated with, like with a, a, a kind of fence around it. Yeah, and a rusty iron-wrought fence. Yeah. Uh, like, it's it's everything that, like, it's basically like Luigi's mansion. Um, <laughs> and he's just and he's just sitting here being like, oh, but it's, you know, it, it's a pretty chill place. Yeah. So, like, I don't know if there's magic behind that or if, like, Blake, I, I, don't, know, I don't know what to make of that line, but that just really stood out to me as very contradictory to everything else he's saying about the house and so i don't yeah. i don't know what to make of it well we i guess we're jumping ahead a bit here but um picture your grandmother's house elliot right like picture your grandmother's yeah. house and then now imagine that that house is <laughs> is kind of the the stage for what happens in the rest of this chapter um and we'll talk about you know he, he's visiting his his grandmother here we find out quite quickly that his grandmother rose is dying and the family is basically arguing over who's going to get her inheritance. Um, yeah. Arguing quite viciously. Like, the, these, <laughs> the, these, this family it has obviously been divided by knowing that Rose is going to die and somebody's well, going to get her inheritance at some point. I mean, that, that, that's true, but 
based on everything Blake sort of comments as they're doing it, it kind of sounds like this is also how they always are as well. Yeah. Sorry, that's uh, what I mean. They, they've been divided yeah. by this, like, you know, 15 years ago or whatever it is, right? Yeah, um, yeah sure. So much so that that the the younger kids of the family, you know, the the kids from the youngest is like four years old to like Blake's age and a bit above like 22, 23, uh, or, you know, 24, I don't know, whatever, mid-20s. Their whole lives have been kind of determined by their parents trying to get them to act in a way that will put them in Grandma Rose's good books for this specific yeah. moment. Um, yeah, that's true. And they've all been competing because they've all known that it would just be one grandchild who gets the whole thing. Yeah. Um, Rose is the worst and has said something along <laughs> the lines of, I will be giving it to one one child. Does she say one daughter or that comes a bit later? I'm not sure. Uh, we're, we're pretty much introduced to the, the concepts around the same time, but it, it's it's one grandchild and it has to be a girl, which yeah. just seems like unnecessarily inflammatory to um, Blake. But I mean, obviously, since since we kind of know going into it that we're reading like a, a supernatural story, yeah. Um, like I just immediately clocked that as something to do with magic or something. Um, yeah, like bloodlines or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so, but you know, obviously, just from the perspective of someone who isn't aware of magic, as Blake isn't. Yeah. At this stage of the story, uh, it just seems like she's just being a bitch um and that's kind of in line with everything else she seems to do so you know it's <laughs> yeah, not totally. a reasonable thing for him to think yeah uh, rose is set up as this character who kind of just enjoys making her family fuck with each other basically um, <laughs> yeah. she she's horrible so i just wanted to quickly because because there's a lot of the family introduced and i think they're going to be pretty important because it seems yeah. like familial ties are pretty important in this story already yeah. so i just want to make sure i understood the structure of the family yeah. Um so there's this there's un well there's there's Blake and his parents uh yep. and his parents have a new daughter um and then I, he's got an auntie Irene who has a couple of kids mm-hmm. and then he's got an uncle Paul so I'm assuming Paul and Irene and one of his parents are all related as the yep. children of Rose and then uncle Paul has two wives and so he has like six kids all up and they're all distributed between custodies and if fairly confusing way so far so i'm not sure who's yeah. with who exactly yeah i, um, I think it's but... important to point out the kids here so there's there's Paige, there's ellie and peter who are twins there's molly callan and chris who are all siblings and there is ivy who is blake's youngest sister younger Sorry, sister page and peter the twins is that right page and peter are twins okay i i'm not sure anymore um We'll figure that no, out. No, no, I don't think that's. I don't us. think that's right. Anyway, there, there's some twins in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so you know, like Rose is all sort of set up to, you know, just be an awful person, and you know, the more we see her, the more I think that there's going to be more to that story. But also, she is. Yeah, uh, I, I guess the next thing we should point out is Blake hasn't seen his family for three years. Um, yeah, this is, he's been kind of called back by a lawyer to come and attend the, you know, the, the bequeathing. Uh, but he, he actually ran, ran out on his family three years ago and hasn't seen them since. And Blake kind of takes this tone of like, I, I just, I chose to leave this life. You know, I chose to leave this family dynamic because it's so toxic and I'm kind of being pulled back in a bit, but he still wants to be outside to it. Um, yeah, like he he constant he 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 actually tells like his father at one point that he's not interested in coming back um in any permanent sort yeah. of way. And it, and it's this interesting like like dynamic cuz he's 
He's pulled himself out, and then he's also angry at them because they never tried to pull him back yeah, in. Yeah, there's a great... <laughs> um, like, he, he intentionally didn't make himself hard yeah. to find. Uh, and so it's like, at, at the same time, he didn't want to be pulled back in, but he's even more annoyed that nobody tried to pull yeah, him back in. he has this great uh, line. Which is, a, like, a contradiction I totally get. <laughs> he, he thinks to himself, uh, the lawyer found me alive and well without much trouble, and he looks at his parents like, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> And and we, I think, as... It's interesting because we kind of know that there is some supernatural stuff at play here. And so maybe it's like, well, maybe it was more trouble than, than they would be able to do. But it's still this great line of, like, <laughs> they yeah, just didn't like, give a shit. Stuff you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, there's definitely a sense that he's angry at them for not really caring. Um, and, and that's an example of, um, I think, what's going to be a recurring theme, which is Blake. Blake likes dropping lines where he... <laughs> he says the first half of a thought and then like looks at people or just stops and you you're you're kind of left to <laughs> to fill it in um there's this other line that i really love uh where blake is talking about the three years he spent away and thinks i still had scars some were physical and then just changes the topic yeah. and you're left to think oh okay there's something that we're gonna get into there but it's blake is yeah. unable or unwilling to kind of consider it really Oh, that was such a solid yeah. line. Like, there. I, I, I loved yeah. that one. Um, I also really liked, there's this bit, um, so when he when he goes in, he eventually goes in to talk to his grandmother, who's moving through all the grandchildren yep. to sort of, I guess, it's like a job interview yeah. to see who gets the inheritance. Like a final little assessment. Yeah. And so she's also doing all the male one, uh, like grandchildren as well, to get their opinions on the, the female ones. Um, and there's this bit where when Blake gets called in to his grandmother he he does this thing where he's like uh with all due respect and then pauses to consider his words and then he calls her a disgusting evil rancid cunt mm. <laughs> and it just that line i i, I literally had to sort of reread it and then laughed out loud because it, it it got me so well because he's like you know he's talking about all due <laughs> respect and then he and then he's like p- carefully picking his words so i was so ready for something like conservative or non-committal mm. And then it's just like, no, you know, he was really thinking about the most offensive thing he could say to piss her off because that's the respect he thinks she deserves, mm. uh, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he, he he doesn't respect her and he doesn't want to play this game, you know, like getting more tied yeah, up with his exactly. family is is less important, is of less value to him than, you know, the money. Like he just, uh, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to do it. Um so yeah and uh, and you can see he he keeps getting pulled in a little bit like there's multiple times where you know his his dad will say something and he's not able to quite help himself but like to stir him up yeah. a little bit yeah um but he you know he's he's trying his hardest and uh there's you know there's a great line um like his grandma rose there's one line where she says to him i wouldn't recommend jumping to conclusions blake it's dangerous business mm. which is just the most blatant setup line i think <laughs> is in this first chapter like there's uh, I'm I'm jotting that down as something that is going to come mm. back uh, later. Okay. Um, he's going to do that. All right. Yeah. Um, so the the family is there arguing all night, and eventually, at <clears throat> at what none of the family really realizes, but it's exactly midnight. Rose dies. Rose and her cat dies. Yeah. And she decides to bequeath her fortune to Molly. Um. And Molly's been there the whole night and has clearly not been keen. Yeah. Like, and she actually, I think she she says no. Yes. Like, 
and the way the way it's worded it's not like she was just like no it's like they're they're like it's molly and molly's just like no yeah like no thanks um she she kind of tries to reject it but the lawyer explains the situation and she kind of is forced into it um and it's it's interesting that she is picked because you know of the other of the other girls there's Paige who is kind of a law student and kind of has her life together and isn't like super keen on the fortune but is kind of playing the game and then there's Ellie who is like very much trying to play the game um whereas Molly is uninterested really and 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 she's picked I I guess I'm 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 jumping ahead a little bit but like Molly's story is just a bit of a tragedy because she seems to be the only one of the kids who clued in that there's more going on here than than just like natural things Mm. she's basically the only one who didn't want it and then she gets it and like you know again jumping ahead she she ends up getting killed by it Uh, so like her 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 brief her brief uh presence in this story is just kind of tragic she's just this poor girl who was kind of smart didn't want anything to do with it and gets killed by it anyway um yeah so so molly gets the fortune blake is kind of pissed off and he rides off on his... I mean, you know, pissed off, not that she got the fortune, but just in general, he's kind of an angry guy at this yeah. point, I guess. <laughs> um, he, he rides off on his motorbike back home, basically, uh, before telling Molly something like, you know, if you ever need any help, like, feel free to reach out to me. Like, yeah, w- we much. had a close friendship before, and I want to help you if, if you need me to. Um, and, and the rest of the family's like, oh, trying to weasel your way in now, Blake. And so he's like, he gets pissed and he leaves, <laughs> basically. Um yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of like, you know, at this point in the story, there's almost a lot of, I I, I think dramatic irony yeah. is probably the best term for just like, because we know there's going to be magic. Like, I can't imagine you've gotten into this story and you don't yep. know that. And Blake doesn't. So there's like all the things like the grandma and her cat dying at yep. midnight and all the weird people giving him looks and everything Molly's saying. Yep. Y- y- there's just all these clues that something supernatural is going on and you're just like, oh, shit like blake you gotta you gotta know yeah he, he wouldn't because as well if he it's would. you know it, it gives you this sense of like it's unsettling you know like things just yeah. are slightly off about how this whole situation plays you know um yeah and we know that it's because there's other forces at work here but yeah it, it leaves you this kind of unsettled feeling where you don't really know what's gonna happen which is great it's it's so it's so tense. I love this chapter. I love I love it yeah. as an introduction because it brings you into this, you know, relatively mundane but dramatic uh, family conflict. And the whole way through, you just know well, this is more than it seems. Like this is this is of more importance than than it initially seems. And you're just kind of hooked into it to to find yeah. out what's going on. Um, and that really that really comes to a head as we get to the last section. So, like after Blake leaves, it skips ahead four mm-hmm. months, and Blake has all of these visions. And I went back and reread the yeah. visions to to see if there was any like symbolism or or hints that I could pull <laughs> out of that. But I don't I don't have enough information yet to work off yeah. of them. I think I I should try and try and do that again when I'm nearing the end of the story, maybe. But I reread them again. And I was just like, there's a lot going on in these, and apart from Maggie Holt, who was referenced in in Worm one time, I have absolutely no right. idea. Chart up any the of first Worm reference counter. Um, yeah, <laughs> basically, Blake has these visions where he he just kind of appears in front of people. They say one or two cryptic sentences to him, and then he's kind of sucked away to appear in front of the next group of people. Yeah, and he he seems to be seeing the scenes through the eyes of other people. So I had this suspicion that maybe they're all his ancestors or something. It was sort of going through time. 
I, I don't know, but except for the last vision seems quite different. The one where there's a, a, a king called Johans mm-hmm. or something and, and he's got a talking dog. Yep. Um, How whimsical. And, and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, I didn't realize this was going to be such a whimsical story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think this is... Uh, yeah. This is the part of the first chapter where it's like, hey, here's some hints about some stuff. Get get ready, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and then finally, the chapter ends with Blake waking from this nightmare, looking in the mirror and not seeing his reflection. Instead seeing the reflection of a girl who says... Uh, Molly's dead. You're you're next. Run back to the house, basically. Yeah, and that's how it ends. Uh and that uh, that's yeah, that's it. Like, and well, he just I think the last thing it says is he he ran yeah. or, or I ran. Like he he yeah. does it. Yeah, it's a solid ending to the chapter, uh, especially you know since since Wabo published them both on the same day, it just immediately gets you to you know click that next chapter link. <laughs> like I ran is basically <laughs> a, the hyperlink in. that takes you to the next chapter. <laughs> um but yeah I, I i just like after finishing this first chapter because i guess usually this would be the end of our yep. episode but we've got a two-parter yep. today um i i liked this chapter a lot because in a lot of ways it feels quite generic and i don't necessarily mean that as like a, a bad thing or an insult but it's all we don't know anything really about the world or the magic mm. yet so it's just like the classic family reunion for a death in the family at the old creepy mansion like you know <laughs> yeah. there's lots of movies that have started that way the the very scooby-doo-esque plot of you get this mansion but you have yeah. to stay here for a night first <laughs> <laughs> so it's it starts off like it really could be any sort of supernatural thing but it, it, it you know it does it very well and i was very hooked mm. um but i love how much that contrasts with the other chapter that was released that day which we're about to get into because the next chapter is the complete opposite where it starts to get much more focused on Pact's specific law and is very much like a fuck you, this is crazy yeah. chapter as opposed to just generic setup well, chapter. Are we are we jumping into one two here? I because I, ha- I, I wanna point out one specific contrast which I love about this, which is um Yeah. The first chapter is here's Blake, here's his family, they're shit. Family relationships are shit, right? And then yeah. the second the second chapter starts with Blake needing to borrow a car from from his landlord um, to to get back to the house, uh, and uh, because it's like cold and snowing and he can't take his bike, basically. Um, yeah, and he has this quite short interaction with his landlord, but you can tell from it that these are people who like are very close and uh, are all kind of very supportive and have built this this basically replacement family for themselves. And Blake has found this replacement family who are all kind of all nice and friendly to him. And it's yeah. this, it's this great contrast. I, I love it so much. Yeah. Cause we only see this one interaction with the landlord, which is very positive. And, and I think that works especially well because your landlord is not traditionally a relationship that is yeah. a particularly positive one. Yeah. Uh, but he also has a number of thoughts throughout both chapters where he thinks very positively about the people in his yeah. life post being on the streets or, or yeah. whatever. Um, yeah, I just love that it sets up these two dynamics. Blake and his family, toxic. Blake and his self-imposed family, his friends, very supportive and lovely. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. So Blake grabs a toque, which as Australians we had no idea what that meant, but it's a knitted hat, you know, like a beanie we would call it over here. 
Yeah, I yeah, I, I I looked up what it was. It was just a being. At first, I thought it was a misspelling of talk, and I was trying to figure out how that. <laughs> he did some mad the... drifts with the car, mm-hmm. and he gets out of there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I thought he was going down the stairs real quick, and it was like a spiral staircase or <laughs> yeah. something. Uh, doing some wall running. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and so Blake jumps in the car <laughs> and and starts driving. Um, and as he's driving, he he sees looking in his rearview mirror, he sees the 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 ghost girl whose name is Rose as well, sitting in the rearview mirror. Um, yeah, so just, I, I don't know if there's like a fan name to separate the Roses, because there's obviously Grandma Rose, mm. and I'm going to st- I'm just going to refer to this one as Miros. Okay, Wait, Mirror Rose. <laughs> that's going to get grading, uh, until Until there's a better, <laughs> yep. uh, until there's a better uh, n- name for it. I mean, it. I would call them, you know, Rose Senior, Rose Junior, but Miros works too. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so Miros is sitting in the back seat, and, and they're, they're talking, and uh, Blake, before he wants to get to, like, what's happening here, he, he wants to know who she is, right? Um, yeah. And she explains that she's, <laughs> I guess the best way to say it is, like, an alt-universe alt version of him, right? Um, I mean, that's, that's definitely, like, the best sort of most similar thing, like, you know, just pulling from, from other sci-fi and stuff. Like, yeah. it seems like she's, like, a female version of him yeah. from some sort of alternate... I, it's funny, because, like, she... She just kind of answers the question in a way that leaves you with like twenty times the number of questions that you have going in. Oh yeah, it's just funny because Blake Blake's response to her her rambling like response is just like I was silent taking that in, mm. and I was thinking that was my response too. I sort of read it and I was like I don't know what to make of any of what she <laughs> yeah. just said. Um, she basically describes shared memories. You know, she's talking about like how she until yesterday was just living with her parents and had gone to the funeral four months ago and. Etc. 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 And then she kind of woke up in this mirror dimension yeah. with somebody saying, "Oh, go get Blake and bring him to the house." What well, and like she talks about how she thinks those memories are fake and and stuff. Like yeah. she seems very uncertain of her own existence, which like must be pretty terrifying for her. Like you know, we see her freak out a bit in this chapter, but I think unless this is all some sort of long con, yeah, she's coping extremely well. <laughs> under under the circumstances of just being someone who thinks their memories are fake trapped in a weird mirror dimension while the person you're apparently soul bonded to is about to be killed yeah like, i think she does all right well yeah i mean you know it, it's a weird circumstance to wake up in um <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh so blake is blake is you know questioning her and and kind of trying to get to the bottom of it a bit um but their conversation is interrupted when Rose kind of calls out, oh, look out. And Blake looks up and sees this person standing in the middle of the road. Uh, and he kind of swerves around it, around them. Um, I'm going to do it. I'm going to read the description here from the, from the chapter. Sure. It was a person tall, dressed in a long cloak or layered garment of some sort, right in the middle of the road. The cloth had been white to begin with, it looked like, but it was badly stained. He or she wore a mask or helmet shaped like an overlarge bird's skull with a pair of antlers. Um, so obviously some creepy lapa is out in the middle of the night for some reason. Um, <laughs> Blake drives around it and then something happens. The car just kind of is drained. Rose calls out that she feels like the character, this this person has latched onto the car. And Blake looks and notices that the car 
has started to rapidly run out of fuel and then it just stops in the middle of the road. And like and it, and his phone dies and all the electrics in the car die as well. So it's like draining power. Yeah. Uh not just like fuel. Yeah. Like it didn't just cut a hole in the tank or something. No, it somehow there's like you know, magic shit going on. Yeah, I mean Blake says this is another thematic Blake leaves things unsaid. He says, It had latched on, but not physically. Something else. Like, okay, Blake, we get it, it's magic. Uh, <laughs> he, he he clearly doesn't know that yet, but um Yeah. He's starting to kind of piece together that I mean he's got a ghost girl in his car, things are going weird, right? Yeah, pretty much. Like, uh, I'm surprised he barely really stops to consider that this is all just a dream. Uh, like there's a running theme throughout this chapter where he's just sort of like I don't know why, but I'm buying all of this. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's an interesting point. Uh, he kind of has this sense of impending dread, which which kind of makes him yeah. feel like he needs to take it seriously. Yeah, the the whole sort of chapter, he keeps thinking to himself, I I should be questioning this more, but I'm not gonna. Yeah. So Blake is forced to ditch the car and tries to kind of head up the road to a, a rest stop up ahead. Um, yeah. But he kind of turns around and sees that the creature is is following him, gaining on him. Um, and he kind of tries to to face it, but it doesn't <laughs> work so good for him. Yeah, and I like this bit where he, as he's trying to run away from it, there's that line, uh, the wind picked up and I had to close my eyes in the face of the headwind. There were tears in my eyes when I opened them. Totally the wind. Yeah, it's a, it's a great little quip, yep. Yeah, we, he's even <laughs> quipping to himself in his internal monologue. That's how much of a, yeah. of a, of a smart-ass he is, I guess, uh, just yeah. in general. So he, he kind of meets this creature, turns to face it, and has a little scuffle with it, but it, it kind of backs off, not wanting to hurt him, um, but Blake kind of pieces together that it wants him to die in, not be like mauled by this creature with long fingernails, but either being shepherded off into the snow and freezing to death or, or being hit by a car. It doesn't kind of let him walk forward or backwards, but it, it forces him to kind of go either towards the road or off to the side into the snow. Yeah, so it, it seems to just, it it wants him to die in a way that looks natural and it only really yeah. attacks him when he's when he makes efforts to prevent that. Yeah, um, well, this is Blake's theory. This creature is not talking or yeah. doing anything, right? Oh, um, yeah, 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 just based on its reactions to what he does. And, and you know, yeah. so eventually he manages to figure out it will let him run off into the forest on the side of the road in, you know, the middle of the night in Canada, which yeah. is like, um, you know, but yeah. he, he does it anyway because he doesn't just want to stand around. Yeah, he, he kind of thinks, well, standing around is bad. I just kind of want to do something, which maybe isn't correct, but, you know, it's definitely very Blake. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> want to just do nothing. He has to take action. Um, I like the part where he's figuring this out. Blake says, all I can figure is they don't want to claw me to death. And then Rose says... Molly was clawed to death. Like, okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Rose. Thanks, Rose. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're really helping here. When when I first read that, like on my first read through, uh, and I mean, my first read through of this chapter was like, there wasn't really much thinking involved because I was way too engrossed in the action to yeah. to pause and think much. But I yeah. thought what that was saying was they, they wanted to change the way they were killing each person in this line of succession because they, they talk for a bit about how once Blake dies, then the monsters will go after whoever's next, which I think it was Catherine or something. Yeah. Um but I I think as well this is just another sort of dent in the whole Molly was a was really unequipped for this situation cuz Yeah. I I think now what's happened is we've established these creatures only kill you if you really throw yourself at them and so it's like Molly shouldn't have left the house anyway 
And I think now what's happened is in her death, she's just like charged them or something out of desperation. So it's just another thing where uh, Molly was not ready for any of this and has made a stupid mistake that got her killed. Yeah, so we've been saying creatures, and that's because as Blake kind of heads off into the snow, more of these creatures appear. Yeah. Um, More of them, and they kind of start circling around Blake, basically just trying to force him to just kind of stop in the snow and and stay there until he dies. Um, Yeah, pretty much. And he tries to make some manoeuvres, like dipping between them and, and running through them, and he kind of gets some space to play with, but doesn't really get anywhere he, he's he's really starting to be trapped um and then <laughs> as as these creatures literally close in on him it gets more and more tense until one of the creatures which has three masks on instead of one removes one of its masks from its shoulder and holds it out to blake and he realizes oh that mask is for me <laughs> which is fucking terrifying <laughs> yeah um but like i i don't know i wanted to bring that one up as well for a little bit because blake seems to be very confident in the way he just makes big assertions like that like i i don't that was not my first thought when it just pulled the mask off its shoulder but it does make sense but like even um even miros does the same thing um Mm. like she she claims that molly was partially eaten but that these guys who are attacking blake won't do that and i mean these are giant bird creatures like i don't think oh yeah these creatures who who are trying to kill us are they not the type that would eat us that's fine yeah like, both of these guys seem to be quite, you know, she is like female him, so it makes sense that they'd share a lot of character traits, but yeah. um, I, both of them seem very confident in, in sort of putting the pieces together and just assuming that they're correct, and I wonder if there's yeah. more to that or, or if it's just and who they are. Well, diving into the character of Blake and by extension Rose a bit more here, it's it's the same thing as him not wanting to stand still kind of near the road. It's, he 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 has this character trait where he needs to be, doing something he can't be passive he needs to be active um yeah and this you know we'll we'll dive into more of his backstory and stuff as the as the story progresses but this this trait for him has grown and i think that's this is another reflection of it he needs to he needs to have a theory that he can test and work with and maybe that's wrong that's fine but he just needs something to go off of yeah well he needs to be doing something and unfortunately what that has meant here is that he's just jumping to conclusions which yeah. His grandma specifically told him not to do, uh, <laughs> but it does work. It does work out in this situation. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's a good point. He, he is the kind of person that will jump to an assumption and test it, which is the exact thing that that Rose Senior, or non Miros, uh, has told him that he shouldn't do. Yeah, um, um, but anyway, he manages to escape because he finds a pond, and he, that lets him open up another mirror uh, through the ref- like the surface of the water. Yeah, um, through which Miros and him can talk. Um, and he gets a bit snarky with her um, because she's not being helpful, which I don't really know what she's meant to do, but I guess he's just under a lot of pressure. Uh, so he kind of walks out onto this frozen pond uh, and and some of them kind of follow after him, kind of testing the ice. And he yep. throws this big old heavy rock towards it, but it doesn't break. It's this great moment of like, you've done it, Blake. Oh no, <laughs> yeah. it didn't work. <laughs> But luckily, Rose is around, and she kind of exerts this force that she has in the mirror world to shatter this reflective surface of the pond, the frozen lake, dropping some of the creatures into the water, and she kind of and R- Blake can can run past them. Um, yeah, well, and I mean, yeah, it's because it's not when when they first do it, it's not clear that 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 Miros was the one who did that. Like uh, again, like I was going through this uh, as fast as I possibly could. So there was a yeah. thing where it's like he throws the rock and then the ice doesn't break for 10 seconds. 
And I literally yeah. read that and I was like, oh, that's a bit weird and just kept going. Like I didn't really think about <laughs> yeah. it. And then later on he talks about how like Rose looks really like worn out and, and she's established already that that happens when she shatters mirrors and stuff. Uh, yeah. and, and so then there's that moment of, oh, she did it. And, and that got me. Yeah. But definitely the first time I was just like, oh, that's odd. Yeah. Uh, so th- this chapter ends with Blake getting past the creatures, getting to this relative safety of a of a truck stop and, and kind of noticing that the creatures back off once he gets to other civilization. Um, yeah. Or, or the sunrise. It, it, it's like sunrise as he's hopping in the truck as well. So he's a little unsure yeah. if it's like a timed thing or if it's an other people thing, but like either way he's, he's made it, which is good. Yeah. Uh, and he, he kind of gets a, a trucker kind of agrees to drop him off kind of further up the road and help him catch a lift. Um, but before they head out, Blake kind of sees this man at the rest stop. Uh, and I'll just read it. I'll read it out. <laughs> I saw a man in the corner with an oddly crooked stance, leaning against the wall as if his limbs wouldn't hold him up. The whites of his eyes too white as he tracked us with his gaze. And it's... <laughs> it's well, there's it's, probably nothing there. Like, that's just a yeah, throwaway character. I'm sure it's character. just some random guy. Um, no. <laughs> nothing, uh, nothing to see here. Uh, yeah, I have no idea what to make of that yet, but that's definitely... That's definitely someone or something uh, that will be around later. <laughs> I like the note, the final note that you've left for this chapter is, oh, it's probably nothing important. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I like that because it's, oh, Blake, yeah, you've made it to safety, but, you know, don't get too complacent now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I mean, um, it kind of sum, sums up this chapter in general. Like, this was just a, an intense, fast-paced chapter. Yeah, and, uh, and I remember because, uh, like, I, I guess I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here, but uh, when I when I first finished Worm uh, about a year and a half ago, I got really excited to hop on uh, the Parahuman subreddit and not have to worry about spoilers anymore. Mm. And uh, one of the first things I saw was people discussing Twig and Pact, and you know, because I just finished Worm, I was like, oh, I might want to read one of these soon. Let's see what people think. <laughs> and uh, one of the first comments I saw were a bunch of people complaining that Pact was too fast-paced and intense there weren't enough Mm. like slow moments and i think as someone who just finished worm to then go online and find out that like worm is not the wild bow story that's known for being too fast-paced and intense (laughs) was very much a moment of like what the fuck is this packed story then (laughs) um yeah and and i mean i'm getting a glimpse (laughs) of it i think in this second chapter here which was just like you know almost for the entire chapter there was just constant tension until the very end and then just as things relax while both throws in that little line at the end just be like yeah but it's not it's not all over <laughs> it's very uh out of the frying pan into the fire and then you know out of the fire into the the freezing cold pond out of the freezing cold <laughs> pond back into the frying pan and then over yeah. to this other thing yeah it's 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 a story that is very intense uh for a lot of it um which is one of the reasons i like it but you know it's a it's stylistic i guess it's a preference yeah so the last thing that I want to do here is I want I want to introduce our recurring segment and let's get the jingle for this in post, Elliot. Monster Corner. Woo woo woo. Um, Wait, is that the jingle? Yeah, that's the jingle. I, <laughs> I gave you a clean take uh, <laughs> because this is a story that's going to have a lot of a lot of monsters, a lot of different things in it. Um, I bet from a lot of different you know like cultural backgrounds and and uh, inspirations, you know. Um, sure. And so I want, I, I think it'll be fun to, as we're going along, every so often we just take a break to to take a look at at a monster and, and, and see and what, of, what the, 
where Wildbo pulled it from. Uh, yeah, what the origins of it are, what the what the significance of it is, um, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. So let's start with the very first monster, these bird skull things. They don't really have a name. <laughs> yeah, bird skulls um, is, is, is good enough. Yeah, uh, so basically what they are is people, seemingly, with long fingernails that wear different uh, animal skull masks, right? Yeah, I mean, animal I was, skulls as masks. I was very much picturing, from the description of the weird bird skull things, I was picturing like those old plague doctor yeah type masks and then you know all of them had different like one had a wreath on its head one had antlers i don't know what that's about but yeah um yeah yeah they're they're kind of i I think to to kind of jump ahead with this these creatures don't seem to have any specific uh direct inspiration like there's no specific supernatural creature that i could find that that um ties into them uh, although birds and and kind of bird skulls do have a lot of cultural implications right um yeah, being sure. very often associated with like bad omens and and predictions of death and and associations with the dead or lost souls and stuff like that um i, I think that's where the the cultural inspiration for these these bird creatures <laughs> the i'm going to call them the bird skulls where, where these bird skulls come from um because they <laughs> They do seem to, you know, reproduce from their victims, giving them a skull and and uh, kind of yeah. getting a new member. Um, so uh, th- the association with the kind of dead or lost souls really does make sense there. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. As well as they seem to have these traits from old school kind of like uh, voodoo zombie style creatures, right? Where they're, uh, they're these servants that are sent to carry out a task and they're there to do this thing of make Blake die in a unsuspicious way if possible right yeah like very uh kind of like the golem type thing as well these sort of programmed you know zombie slave things yeah yeah totally um so no no specific uh creature inspiration but a lot of thematic uh bird imagery from a lot of different kind of cultures which i I find quite interesting yeah um and I guess I like that's that the segment. end of our first episode. Yeah, well, we'll get more into it as more <laughs> as more monsters come up throughout the story. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I guess we need to do our outro. We've got an outro. All right. Yeah. So, uh, that, w- that was the first two episodes of Deep Impact, and we'll be back uh, next yeah. week on the 24th of December to talk about Bonds 1-3. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime... You can get engaged with the show in a number of ways. Uh, since we're just starting out, it would be great if you guys could review us on iTunes. Uh, that would be one thing that would be really helpful for us being a new show. Yeah. Especially if it's a good review. Uh, yeah, definitely. You can also check us out. We have a Twitter and Facebook, which we'll be sharing between this show and our other one, MediaMD. And mm-hmm. you can find links to both of those on the website, MediaMDPodcast.com, which will also have everything about this podcast. Yeah, um, since we are hoping to have a kind of community reread go along with with the show, we'll probably be doing some discussion threads as well, or a discussion thread, or you know something to to where we can all talk about the episode and what our thoughts are on Pact and stuff like that. Um, if you're a big Wildbow fan and you've never checked out Pact before, give it a shot. It's pretty good. Yeah. I really like it. So yeah, come along with trust us me. And, uh, yeah. and yeah, join our community reread. I guess and uh, yeah. I guess as part of that, so we'll ha- we'll have uh, there's a link to the discussion thread uh, in the show notes. Uh, yep. I don't think we've quite decided on how we're going to handle spoilers sort of stuff in there because obviously I don't want to read anything about anything past Bonds one point two, but I'm sure everyone else wants to 
Uh, for those of you who have already read this and might be doing a reread yep. with us, you'll want to, uh, you know, talk about how wrong everything I'm saying is. Um, so we'll, we'll figure out how to how to make that work and uh, let you know. Yeah, uh, totally. Um, so check out the links in the show notes down below to find out about that. Um, yeah, our next episode will be December 24th, Christmas Eve. That's spooky ha- Halloween packed Christmas. <laughs> uh, and I guess we'll see everybody then. 